0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: One of the reasons why I like Psalm 119 so much is because of the emphasis on the Word of God. And we're going to learn a principle, and that is this. When we obey the instructions of God, the commandments of God, the laws of God, we're going to see that God will speak to us and give us additional revelation in order that we can learn not only what He wants us to do in a general sense, meaning what He wants His people to do, but what He wants you to do personally. Obedience to the Word of God has many benefits, and that obedience will bring about God's instruction to you, his personal counsel on how to order your life. Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to Psalm 119, and we're going to begin in verse 33. Now, this is the fifth section of Psalm 119. I've shared with you Usually, before every installment in this series, that this psalm has eight verses of one letter. And then the next eight verses begin with the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And then the third section has that third letter. And so now we're ready for the fifth installment, and we're going to be dealing with the letter Hey, meaning this. Every verse is going to begin with that same letter, the letter Hey, that fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And we see that God is going to take us through what we might say in English, the ABCs of the Word of God. So let's begin. Verse 33 He says, Instruct me, O Lord. And again, that word for instruction is the same word where we get the Hebrew word Torah from. So what he's saying here is, God, I want you to make me lawful. And I think that's such an important biblical truth. When we are in a covenantal relationship with God, and more specifically, when we are in a new covenant relationship with God, we will want to be lawful people according to the laws of God. So the psalmist says here, instruct me, O Lord, and he wants instruction in the way of your laws. Now, it's important here because this word law is a word chok, which can also mean a statue or a precept. What it is, is an instrument of instruction. It's God commanding what we are called to do as his people. And notice the psalm is pleading. This is a prayer that he wants the Lord to instruct him in the way of his laws. And then he says, God, if you do this, what would be the response of the psalmist? He says, and I will keep it. And notice the last word in this 33rd verse. It's the word "ekef." Now, some Bibles will translate it. I will keep it until the end but this is not what that word ekhev is about ekhev speaks of an outcome or a result in fact in the book of deuteronomy one of the Torah portions is called ekhev and it speaks about God if we will hear his voice and we will implement his revelation into our life, then this will be the outcome. This will be the result. This will be the end. But he's not saying here, God, I'll keep this until the very end. What he's saying is, I'm keeping it because I want a specific end. I want a specific outcome. Now, that word eketh is also closely related to the Hebrew word for heel, the back of your foot. And remember, in the book of Genesis, there were twins that were born and one was coming out. And the midwife, she tied a crimson thread around his wrist. But what happened? He went back in and the other one called Perez burst forward, and that's what Perez means, to burst forward. And he became the firstborn. So it was not dependent upon that crimson string that was tied around that that first one who came out his wrist but because he didn't come all the way out and what's the meaning all the way out well in a normal delivery the head comes out first and the last thing to come out is the heel and therefore when the heel comes out now because of this passage this means when you see the heel, you can award the firstborn not before that and therefore that word heal for result or outcome or end meaning the end that God wants you to have is a victorious end and how do we have that victory in the end well we will be victorious because of our faith and our faith brings about a change in a person's life where they and we'll see this in the psalm where they become committed to the instruction of God. We can say that differently. The ways of God, the laws of God, the commandments of God. Let's move on to verse 34 where he says, literally, make me to understand. Now, I hope you see the correlation between these two verses because the first one he says, teach me, instruct me, inform me of your laws. And I will keep them until the end, meaning until that outcome, that result that he's looking for. And what is that result? Well, through obedience to the word of God, that obedience will make us wise. We can say it differently. That that obedience is going to bring about an understanding, a godly understanding to us. And that's why he says, make me to understand. And I will, in that same word, I will keep, it is a word of doing. It's a word of value. I will keep your law. And I will guard, and that's that other aspect of the word for value, I will guard it with all my heart. Now, having a heart that is narrow close is good. We can call that a different heart, a corrected heart a heart that is established. In Hebrew, we have this phrase, lev nachon. Usually in the scripture, most English translations will say, an established heart, and that's fine. But it also means a corrected heart. And the emphasis here is this. It is only when a person, doesn't matter who it is, when a person is committed to the word of God, now one of the things that that bothers me with individuals if they hear that statement you need to be committed to the word of God they have no problem with that but when you say you need to be committed to the commandments of God they accuse you of being legalistic the commandments of God the precepts of God the statutes of God the ways of God are all synonyms for the word of God his revelation, and of course we need to keep it, not for the purpose of being saved, but for demonstrating salvation in our life. It ought not be controversial that we teach that the commandments of God are the way for life, not that we express eternal life in and through obedience, but we express a righteous life, And that righteous life is what is of interest to us because we have become that new kingdom creation and we want to express the character of that kingdom which is indeed righteousness move on to verse verse 35 where he says this this is one of the verses that shows us how when we are obedient to god's word his instructions his commandments his laws whatever you want to say when we are god is going to work uniquely in our life and how is he do, going to do that verse 35 it says and lead me and this is a a word for guidance i don't know about you but I need the guidance of the Lord in my life when do I need that all the time and it's that obedience that that is a testimony it is an invitation to God God I want to be guided by you so the psalmist says guide me in your and the word here is nativ. Nativ very common word today in hebrew if you're driving in a car hopefully you're going to stay in your native in your lane so what the psalmist is saying is is lead me guide me in the lane what specific lane what's the right lane for a believer what he tells us here your commandments in the lane in that pathway of your commandments so he says lead me guide me in the way in the lane of your commandments for in it now it means here in your way i and we have a strong word hafazti hafazti is a word for desire now in hebrew we have uh, two words we have the word ratzon for desire will and we have this word and this word according to the scholars people much wiser than me they say this word "chafetz" is a stronger word than rotson and what it speaks here is about this psalmist he has a strong desire in it meaning in the command of god in his ways in his law and then he says move on to verse 36 where he says incline my heart and here again see we most of us we need a change in our heart let me put that into a different term the bible says as a man thinketh in his heart so when we need a heart change we need a change in our way of thinking and if i could be so bold as to say Not only do I need a change in my heart, but so do you. We all do. We need to see things and think better. The verse that I love, I mentioned it not too long ago, is that verse that Paul shares with the Corinthians when he says, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. What a wonderful verse. And not only is that a verse of scripture, but I hope, that it becomes a prayer for you that you pray frequently that means daily maybe several times a day that you pray God I want you to help me take every one of my thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah you know what that is that is how a mature believer prays. we know not our way not our thoughts not our desires but the desires of God so he says here incline my heart speaking of a heart change to your testimonies now again he's using a wide variety of vocabulary to express the commandments of God the laws of God the instructions of God the precepts of God the statutes of God whatever you want to say and he he uses the word testimonies here and why that word well when we submit to those things that are related to the testimonies of god that is what he has testified to when we apply his truth to our life we are going to bear witness to him we are going to demonstrate to others that we belong to him so verse 36 incline my heart meaning change my heart to your testimonies and not to and we have the word butsa butsa is a word of a prophet it is a a financial word it has to do with uh, a fiscal profit and what the psalmist is teaching us is this there is something far better than financial prosperity and that is Having a change in our thought that is in agreement with the testimony, meaning this, that we know what to do and we know how to do it in a way that when people see your behavior, they know that God is ruling your life. That is another wise thing to pray, God, I want to live, I want to behave, I want to do those things that when someone looks at me, When they hear how I speak, when they hear about the way I make decisions, when they hear what's important to me, what is the objective of my life, they know that I am under your authority, that I've been bought with a price. I no longer belong to myself, but I become your bond servant. We can say it differently, your slave. And there's not a better designation to have than a servant of God. As Paul said many times, he used the word doulos, which is a slave of God. He spoke about being a slave to Messiah. So he's not interested. He doesn't want to be guided into or thinking about how to profit financially. He wants to know how to live in a life that reflects the character of God. Verse 37. And and pass my eyes, now I'm looking as a Hebrew book of Psalms. Underneath it, it has, underneath the Hebrew, it has modern Hebrew. And this is interesting because they have a phrase here, which means basically to close the the eyes so when it says cause my eyes in other words to pass from what pass from seeing looking upon that which is shav. now a shav, maybe your Bible say that which is vanity that which is futile it's something in fact if you have alarm goes off but it was a false alarm. There was nothing there. Something triggered it, but it was not a legitimate uh, threat. There you say a false alarm. In Hebrew, we would say simply, uh, it was a warning, it was instruction, but it was in vain, futile. And what he's saying here, and I think this is so important, is this. He's saying, cause my eyes to pass, not, So close my eyes to those things which, from God's perspective, are in vain. They are futile. They have no purpose. They do not represent truth. Now, here again, you have a false alarm. It's not based upon truth. So he's saying, close my eyes or cause my eyes to pass from seeing those things which are futile, in vain. And then he says, in your way, way, so in your way, he says, sustain me. And that word for sustenance, sustain me, is a word of life. What is it telling us? When we look at it literally, it tells us that the way of life is found in God's way. Let me say it differently. The way of life, I mean a meaningful life a life of of substance a life of meaning is found how only by means of being in the will of god what's another wise pray prayer to pray god guide me into your will that i might be where you want me to be but here's something very much important and that is and also doing completing your will again one of the values of keeping a prayer journal is that you can go back and see what have i prayed the last uh, 30 days this last month what have i beseeched god for what have i supplicated him asked him for and is it that i might do his will now to do his will you have to know his will so you're in need of revelation and as we talked about a few minutes ago obedience brings about God's revelation. So he says here, in your way, make me alive, meaning there's life in God's way. Look now to verse 38, where he says, establish your servant, and the implication is with your word. Now, again, it's interesting is that underneath the literal Hebrew that was written by the psalmist is modern Hebrew and they have the word for promise and this is what they're trying to convey it is when one pursues the promises of God when we do that what happens well notice what he says here he says establish your servant where do I find myself being established what does that mean being built up made strong placed in the right location with the right resources the right provision in order to carry out god's will well i find that when i'm a individual that that relies upon his word and his word throughout scripture is full of promises so it is when one and again it doesn't matter who this person is when one pursues the promises of god it is going to have a maturing and edifying impact upon that person so that's why what does satan try to get to do get us to do satan wants us to pursue our own will let me say that differently satan wants us to pursue his will more often than not without relying upon the law of God, the commandments of God, the statutes of God, the precepts of God. Without relying upon these things, we will be deceived by the enemy to think that what we want is God's will. It is not. What we want usually originates in the flesh. And the master of the flesh is the enemy that's why we need to bring every thought captive to the obedience of messiah meaning that we are committed to messiah's will his instruction his character and not those things that are pleasing to us so he says establish your servant that's how he thinks of himself i'm here in this world now to serve god so establish your servant with your word which he says here which uh basically you have have taught me to fear it says here what you have promised to people who fear you now we see something we see that this being established what he says in the first part of verse 38 is based upon us demonstrating and hear this us demonstrating the fear of the lord Hopefully, you know what I'm going to say now. Say it every time we come across this word fear. Fear is related to, I hope you can fill that in, the priorities of God. So when my ways are established, it is going to manifest. Has God established me? Well, the evidence for him establishing me, him edifying me is myself. In where? Myself in his priorities and that is demonstrating the fear of the lord i fear god i make him the priority of my life when i am committed to his purposes verse verse 39 he says and pass and this is a word of removal he says pass my and this is a word for perhaps shame it's not the normal word for shame it's a word for those things that are are horrific in a negative sense in our life. Those things that we have done that are 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 not in in character of our Lord. Things that we do that manifest that we were operating, behaving in the flesh. So he says, "Remove." That means cause me to pass away from such shameful things in my life, which. He says here, I fear. Now, why does he say that? Here again, everything in the scripture is written for a reason. He says, when I behave in a shameful way, in a horrific way, when I do that, it is going to lead to a outcome. And what is that outcome? Well, he tells us right here, we are going to be afraid we are not going to have confidence we're not going to have assurance we're not going to have that peace that contentment but we are going to have and it's an entirely different word for the word fear now if you do a a good study of this word you will find that it's related to something that is abhorrent meaning something that uh, may scare us something that is unpleasant something that is kind of repulsive something that that we don't want any part of we want to to be away from that how do we get away from that not fearing very simply we we don't find those fearful things coming into our life those things that repulse us. those things that that are reproached us we don't find that when we're walking in the fear of the lord But when we don't fear the Lord, when we don't have his priorities, then we're going to experience those things that are abhorrent to us. That's what he says. And then he says, for your judgments, and judgments, we can think of it this way in a very practical sense, God's conclusions. You know, Shlomo Hamalek, that is King Solomon, said, here's the conclusion of all things. This is what he's talking about when he speaks about god's judgments it's god's verdict in regard to something his sentence meaning what he says about some issue, some matter some behavior doesn't make any difference what it is it's god's perspective on something and what can we say always 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 about god's perspective on something his judgments what does he say look at the end of verse 39 your judgments are good and because judgments is plural this word good is plural and and some have pointed out that the reason for this yes it's good grammar but it speaks about abundant goodness that which goes beyond the norm it brings about a supernatural goodness well let's conclude our last verse verse 40 when he says behold and many bibles will say i have longed for Now, it is a word of desire, but it means something that you are very, very much desiring, that you are passionate about it, that you are are committed to this. So it's a word of zeal, uh, uh, commitment, passion. He says, behold, I have longed for it is rooted in the same word for for a desire for food which can be a very strong desire he says behold i have longed for and what is this well many bibles will translate it commandments but it's it is a usually a spoken word of a commander meaning this there's a captain over you some authority and and he tells you what to do now in the norm We don't like that we don't like to be told what to do but when we are a new creation through messiah we've been regenerated born again we're going to think differently and we're going to delight we're going to have passion zeal for what god tells us to do these charges this this these commands that he says that we are to complete so he says behold i have longed for your commandments and it's not the normal word for commandments, but a spoken order is, is better how it's is brought about. And notice how the psalm concludes, or this section of the psalm concludes, it says, which means in your righteousness. Now, I hope you see the parallelism here. What we find is this, we find in God's orders his commands his charges what he tells us to do when we apply that to our life we are going to find righteousness and this righteousness has benefits did you know that see some people think well god god wants me to be righteous because he likes that no you behave righteous and you're going to find you like it because righteousness is a means of finding god's perspective finding god's provision righteousness is going to to minister life and abundant life that life that messiah was talking about when he says i came that you might have life and have it ever increasing ever abundantly well that life that that you should want is found in righteous behavior and and how do we know what is righteous we know which is righteous because the word of God teaches us that the law of God teaches us that the commandments of God and and even though we're not saved by the law the law teaches a saved person what they're called to do it gives us counsel and I'll I'll conclude with this the counsel of the law is, is similar in a very, very powerful way and, and and similar way to the counsel of the Holy Spirit, meaning this, the law of God and the Holy Spirit, they say the same thing. Because that spirit of truth, He is going to lead us into righteousness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He guides me into righteousness so my righteous behavior can be an instrument of glory to him and the law of god defines what is right or righteous and what is wrong or unrighteous so there is a a solidarity between the testimony of the law and the testimony of the holy spirit we need to realize that well i'll close with that until next week may god bless you shalom from israel